welcome to Shoe Speak HR. Uh, you've got uh, myself and Amy Leach today. Hi, Amy. Hi, Andy. You okay? I'm all good, thank you. And we are also delighted to be joined by uh, Pavan Somal. Uh, who is a specialist immigration lawyer that joined Shoe Smiths at the back end of last year, um, based in our Glasgow office um, and has circa 10 years experience uh, in immigration law, both business and personal. Um, and, and what we're going to discuss today uh, is, is very topical in terms of um, the conflict that's happening in Ukraine and the UK government's response to that and the various measures that both individuals and businesses can can look to take in terms of looking to assist uh, any refugees from the Ukraine area. Um, so, obviously, it's just a horrible topic. Um, but but hopefully, we can shed some light on on the techie issues um, that are being certainly well well reported on in terms of the media. In terms of there are challenges out there. Um, before we move on to that, though, Pavan, I can't let you uh, come <laughs> on to our podcast without us asking you our question that we ask all our guests, and that is, what is your favourite podcast? She speak HR. <laughs> Correct. I have right, a shadow of doubt. <laughs> Why aren't all our guests saying this, Amy? What is wrong with our other guests? <laughs> you can but come if, again. <laughs> if Pavan you were to to have to kind of go down the ranking and go for number two I guess what would that be um in all honesty I'm not a big podcast listener um I will maybe now and again scroll through Spotify and pick something that that um takes my interest at that time but um don't listen to podcasts regularly I'd much rather listen to the radio or some um cheesy 90s pop music so (laughs) fair enough I like that (laughs) So I guess turning to to the serious issues, um, where do we begin? But I mean, what what are the options available for Ukrainians who were already in the UK when when the conflict began? So the Home Office have brought in a few concessions to help out people in that situation. Um, Myself and Rachel Harvey, who's a um, legal director and immigration specialist, actually did a webinar on this just last week. Um, But in typical home office fashion um, either it was later that day or the very next day they set, they released a statement of changes to the immigration rules so basically a lot of what we said in the webinar um, was out of date within less than 24 hours so that was great so thanks for having me here and um, we can kind of talk about the, the changes that have come in since the webinar so anyone who did catch that um, yeah stay tuned to this because it's not just a repeat of the webinar um, <laughs> Um, So, first of all, people that were here in the UK as visitors um, are able to switch into other immigration categories that they wouldn't normally be allowed to do um, in the standard run of things. Um, They couldn't switch from a visit visa to a skilled worker visa, for example. Um, But just to um, acknowledge the fact that they can't really go back home, the Home Office have allowed um, them to to make that switch. Um, But they would still need to meet all the other requirements if they were applying onto the onto like a skilled worker visa or a student visa so um, for a skilled worker visa they would need to have a job offer um, from an employer who has a sponsor license and that job would have to meet the skill level the salary threshold Um, they would need a certificate of sponsorship and they would need to meet the English language requirement Um, so that's one of the concessions open to visitors Um, and then there's also um, 
this was one of the changes that came in this week, a new scheme called the Ukraine Extension Scheme. Um, and that is for people who were in the UK with valid leave um, and that leave was expiring and it enables them to switch and remain in the UK and it protects their position here and they'll have a right to work um, and it's a free application as well so anyone who was here as a visitor and thought oh I'll just look for sponsored work um, it might be difficult to find that there are obviously cost implications on um, the skilled worker route so if they um, can put in a Ukraine extension visa application that'll be free of charge uh, they won't be tied to a sponsor um, and it'll give them time to find sponsored employment if that is the route that they ultimately want to go down um, because what we don't know at the moment is what's going to happen long term with people who get visas on any of the Ukraine um, concessions um, at the moment they're all being granted for up to three years but we don't know what happens at the end of that three years and obviously the answer to that question will depend largely on how things unfold over there um, but you know if it does take three years for things to settle down over that three-year period people will have started to have, have you know put roots down in the UK kids will be integrated into school and it'll be a big upheaval for a lot of people to leave at that point so um, hopefully there will be an option to extend or um, perhaps even ultimately settle in the UK on the schemes but we just don't know at the minute um, so if anybody's looking for certainty they might want to explore the other options if they do qualify. Um, there would have been a lot of people who were in the UK or lots of Ukrainians I should say who were in the UK on seasonal worker schemes um, and who weren't able to leave because this all kicked off just before they were due to go back. Um, and again, the Home Office have brought in a concession to enable them to stay. Um, this one's quite unusual, though, because it doesn't actually require any action on the part of the visa holder. The Home Office have said that they will contact workers and sponsors to basically tell them that the visas have been automatically extended until the end of the year, um, which is a really unusual step. Um, I think I don't recall that ever being done before um, and it again it brings up a few different queries and concerns um, as to how that will operate in practicality and what happens if there are issues but I think we'll maybe come on to that um, in, in a bit. Um, so that applies to um, seasonal workers including HGV drivers and pork butchers um, but pork butchers also have the option now to switch onto the skilled worker route um, so anyone who's here as a seasonal pork butcher but again wants that stability security um, they can look for full-time employment um, permanent employment as well um, on the skilled worker route um, and then the final one would be overstairs. Now, at the time that we recorded the webinar, the guidance that was out um, in relation to this said that in order to apply to the Ukraine family scheme, you don't need to um, have valid leave in the UK if you're already here. Um, when the rules were changed or the, the actual rules were released during the week there, um, what they clarified is that you need to have had leave to remain um, immediately prior um to the first of January 2022 I think it was um so it's not that if you've been in the UK for three years without any valid visa and you've got um a, a British sibling that you can now all of a sudden regulate your status um on the basis that you're Ukrainian and you've got a British um, brother or sister that it's not, it's not quite as lenient as 
as we first thought it would be. There are more restrictions on it. Um, but it's still a, an option for someone whose visa has just recently lapsed for whatever reason. Um, so they don't need to worry about having to go back um, to a war zone if they can even get back right now. So I think that's pretty much a whistle-stop roundup of, of the options. I think I think what I'm taking from that, Pavan, is um, to the extent people out there think they have a handle on, on what can and can't be done, then probably worth just checking in with you. I don't like to kind of blatantly plug Shoesmith <laughs> Services. That's not the purpose of this podcast, but I would certainly recommend reaching out to Pavan or members of of the immigration team just to check um you know that that what you thought was the correct position remains the correct position um so yeah, yeah I, one for the listeners to to bear in mind i guess <laughs> yeah definitely things change so quickly in immigration generally but particularly when you're dealing with a situation like this where it changes from um, day to day um and obviously there's a lot of public pressure on the government as well um so you know the the they have been changing things quickly, processes, um, changing rules and things to allow more people in. Um, so it's definitely something to to seek advice on. If it's not from ourselves, then from um, another immigration specialist. But um, yeah, it's... Yeah, no. And, and I guess the point on pressure from, you know, kind of the public as as well, kind of... Amy, what, what's your views on the, the Ukraine home, so the Homes for Ukraine scheme? I know that's largely kind of aimed at individuals um but equally i guess um there is another angle to it and and also most of our listeners are human beings as well so i guess they may be interested most uh, of from them their own <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh we do have some in our space some dogs or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no absolutely and actually there has been obviously quite a lot of press and talk about this on i suppose like social media as well about the homes um for ukraine scheme um so at the moment um we know that it's obviously open for individual sponsors um and I suppose, again, like with a lot of this, we're not quite sure how it's going to work in practice um, at the moment. And we know at the moment, so the individual needs to be uh, British or have leave to remain in the UK for at least six months. Um, I don't know if that's changed or not. Yeah, I haven't seen no, it's anything. Still the case, yeah. so it's still the case. Um, and you basically need to be able to offer accommodation for a Ukrainian for at least six months um, in your home. Or I know people who have got, say, like holiday homes or second homes, they're looking at offering that potentially as well. Um, I understand that there'll be like background checks carried out on sponsors and the applicants. And also the uh, the government or um, you'll be receiving kind of a 350, I suppose, thank you payment. We're kind of phrasing it as for being part of the scheme and taking somebody in. Um, you can't charge, charge rent, so you can't take somebody in and then try and make money out of it, um, which, of course, hopefully nobody would want to do in this situation. Um, again, if you've got somebody and you are sponsoring um, somebody in this way under this scheme and they come over, so they don't necessarily need to uh, attend a visa centre like normal if they've got a valid Ukrainian passport. Um, once they get to the UK and if they're under this scheme, they can look to have a three-year visa, which would give them permission to work and access public funds. Um, and again, it's only open, it's sort of a, it's, I say it's a strange scheme in a way, because it's only open at the moment to those who you have to name the person that you're going to sponsor, basically. And if you, like myself, I don't know anybody in Ukraine, I 
I sort of don't have any connections in that way. It's difficult then to kind of know how to do that. And I have seen on social media at the moment, there's been a few people sort of whether it's been within Ukraine sharing stuff on Facebook or Twitter, people resharing it. So I think that's maybe going to actually sort of help drive it quite a lot and enable people to actually name somebody um, that way. But again, it, it's um, it's the practicalities of it. Is that going to work in practice? And it's sort of still to be seen. Um, so there'll be if you're, uh, I suppose, hosting or having children or vulnerable adults um, in your house, then you, there would need to be DBS checks, so enhanced checks carried out just to make sure for that security perspective. Um, and again, I think as well, the local authority, so the council will be under an obligation to um, to visit and make at least one in-person visit, I believe, um, to confirm that the guest that, that you're sponsoring as well and the accommodation is suitable because we'll sort of come on later in the podcast to maybe potential issues with this scheme or problems but it could be that a scenario the accommodation is fine at the start but what happens three months in if it's not and and we can obviously touch on that a bit later but I mean it's generally I think personally overall it's a great scheme and the fact we're offering it and it just goes to the kind of testament of the British public really and how we are here and that we want to help I just hope practically it works as well um and we're yeah, able to kind of yeah that seems to be the big thing at the moment that does seem to the challenge doesn't it rather than you know, yeah. people volunteering and, yes. and looking to, you know, kind of everybody wants Absolutely. to be able to do something. It's just how that how those dots are all connected. Um and, and Pavan, the, the Ukraine sponsorship scheme, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So this is for um, people who have family members who are British citizens or settled in the UK um, or have refugee status or humanitarian protection or hold pre-settled status in the UK under um, the EU settlement scheme. Um, it doesn't extend as far as family members or extended family members of skilled workers or students or people with any other form of limited leave in the UK, which has been one um, pretty big criticism of, of the scheme. Um, but what it does allow um, is for those fa identified uh, family members to come to the UK. And again, it's the, um, they've waived the biometric um, enrolment requirement for people who hold a valid visa so it's an online application um, and the government have said that they are going to um, they're not going to demand as much paperwork of evidence of relationship as they otherwise would in um, in recognition of the fact that when you're fleeing your war-torn city you're not going to to gather all your belongings to prove how you're related to somebody in the UK um, in reality, I'm, I'm sure there will be situations where they are looking for more evidence than folk are able to provide. But they've said that, that they will take um, a compassionate approach. Um, so let's see how that unfolds. Um, just to kind of touch on who does qualify, what, relate, what family relationships qualify. So you've got immediate family, which would be your spouse, civil partner or unmarried partner. Um, unmarried partner is defined in the same way that it is in the immigration rules, which is that you need to have been living together for at least two years. Um, that obviously poses challenges in this situation where you're going to have the person in the UK and somebody fleeing from the Ukraine. Obviously, you're not living together at the time that the person is fleeing. Um, and also, if you're relying on marriage, that marriage must have taken place prior to the 1st of January 2022. Um, so it might be that there are some people that just kind of narrowly miss out on the definition of either unmarried partner or spouse civil partner. Um, 
if there were, then, you know, I, I would suggest that they just applied, uh, make an application and explain the circumstances because um, it would be incredibly um, unfortunate if the, the Home Office were to refuse something on such a minor technicality. Um, you got married on the 5th of Jan, not, not the 31st of December. Um, you can't come over. It's ridiculous. So hopefully, um, if anyone was in that situation, um, they would take a, a reasonable approach. Um, so immediate family members also include your children under the age of 18. And if the sponsor in the UK is under 18, it includes their parents as well. Um, and then to extended family members, um, it's actually much wider um, than you would have expected for the Home Office. Um, they usually take quite a narrow definition of family, immediate or extended. Um, and just to say also initially when this scheme was released, it didn't go as far as extended family members. This has been um, widened um, to reflect the, the public pressure. So now it does include siblings, parents of adults, um, grandparents, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews. Um, so they have been more generous than they were at the outset of the scheme now. Um, and then it also includes immediate family of extended family. So your, um, I'm trying to think um, of an example. Um, so your, your, your cousin's child, for example, um, if that child is under 18 you could also sponsor them over. Um, and again, they've said if if there is somebody in the family group that you would be sponsoring over who do meet the definitions um, for you, they are your immediate family or your extended family, but there's somebody in their family group that falls out with um, the scope of who would ordinarily be able to be sponsored, they could also come over, um, but you'll probably need to provide evidence as to why they should be allowed um, or if you can't provide actual independent evidence, then at least an explanation of why that person is part of this family unit and why they need to come to the UK with your family. Um, so, for example, I don't know, um, a distant cousin who's been raised as part of your family for, for whatever reason. Um, so, again, free applications, three years um, right to live and work in the UK, and people who don't use... Uh, who do have valid passports and don't attend biometric appointments will get a letter um, to confirm the grant of their visa and they'll show that to um, airports, airport officials and airline officials to enable them to travel. When they get to the UK they will get a six-month stamp in their passport which will confirm their rights to um, work and access benefits um, and within that six-month period they'll need to make an application from inside the UK again free of charge um, but that's when they'll enroll their biometrics and they'll get their biometric card with their full grant of three-year leave. Um, I think that touches on pretty much all of that. Sounds like common sense prevailed eventually I guess in terms of how, how that family unit will be looked at. Um, always defies belief that it, it needs public pressure for those kind of things, doesn't it? But yeah, um, definitely. often that is the way. And and how's how's all this playing into right to work checks as well? So if you are an employer and you're going to employ somebody who says who is Ukrainian, they provide you a Ukrainian passport, you will still need to do a full right to work check. So initially when they arrive the stamp and the passport will be enough, but you'll need to do a manual check on that. Um, and obviously, 
COVID adjusted checks are still okay um, until the end of September. Um, but when they, you will need to diarise to do a follow up check prior to the expiry of that six months um, and do a check on the biometric residence permit. And from next week, the checks on the BRPs must be done online using the um, the the online service where you get the share code from the employee um, and keep a record of all of that. So standard checks need to be carried out. There's no um, there there's no get out of that. Um, so yeah, something to be mindful of. Um, if somebody approaches you and says, "I'm Ukrainian. I have applied to." one of these schemes, um, you will need to check with them what their status was prior to applying. So, for example, if they were here as a visitor and they've now applied to the Ukraine family scheme, their right to work won't kick in until they're granted on the family scheme because the visit visa didn't have a right to work. Um, so it's best to check that as well. You can't just, um, you know, accept an application as proof of right to work. Um, if they came here on the family scheme, um, and they, what they mean is they've applied for the, the full length and obviously that's all right. And you'll be able to take their passport um, as evidence of their initial right to work. Um, and you would do a check via the employer checking service because they have an outstanding application um, and get your positive verification notice um, for your statutory excuse. And then again, follow up in six months time. I think it's probably quite um, sort of like reflecting on all of that. And I know I mentioned it earlier about sort of with these schemes it's so great that they're there and that we've got them and we can help people come over and, and kind of flee flee the conflict and, and give them a safe place um I suppose like I sort of alluded to earlier there are I guess potential issues with the schemes maybe but more from a, a practical perspective and um I suppose some of them these schemes have been created very quickly in order to kind of allow all of this to happen given the urgency of the situation which is rightly so um but i guess with regards to that it may mean that actually some things need to be ironed out so again with i suppose like one thing could be like safeguarding issues with like families and children and again if you've got under the homes for ukraine scheme if you've got people um sponsoring somebody what if that relationship then breaks down for whatever reason or some unforeseen something unforeseen happens exactly, yeah. and you're three months in and out of the six months the minimum six months what do you do um what if the sponsor's circumstances change say somebody is kind enough to host somebody but actually then financially something happens to them and it's not viable I know you obviously get the thank you payment but it may be that they the sponsor themselves uh, they lose their job for example they're made redundant they can't can't necessarily pay their mortgage and they potentially face losing their house what what happens then um i suppose as well what if a home fails a safety check but the individual is already there what what happens then um and again i think we sort of spoke about seasonal workers earlier um what if the sponsor doesn't have a position for the worker when it's off season um what if, again, the relationship breaks down? There's quite a lot of unanswered questions at yep. the moment. Um. Definitely. <laughs> um, I mean, what, what the guidance says is that if the relationship between the sponsor and the, and the guests, um, as they're referred to, breaks down, is that they should let the council know and then the council needs to step in. But there's a shortage of, of housing from the council and you've got thousands of Afghan refugees who are waiting for homes. So yeah. how quickly are they going to be able to get, get the guests out and to other suitable accommodation. Um, and, you know, 
the relationship could break down for any reason or the sponsor could be unable to continue for multitudes of reasons. It doesn't have to be financial. It could be just that the, the, the mental load of having these vulnerable people who will who will need additional support in their house was yeah. more than they'd bargained for um, because it is a massive, massive undertaking to to invite people into your home, um, especially ones that have been through all sorts of trauma. Um, and you know, hats off to anyone who 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 does it. Um, it's it's a remarkable thing to do. Um, but you know, it doesn't mean that you're. Um, it doesn't reflect on you as a sponsor if if three months into it you think actually this is taking a toll. It's not what it. It's more difficult than I had anticipated. Um, I I need I, I need some space now. Um, and if that happens, yeah, just you know get in touch with the council and explain the situation and hopefully by that point they will have um quick you know swift efficient processes in place to to rehouse um the guests without too much difficulty yeah no definitely it's um i think that's right as well and i hope sort of the support i suppose from from going one step further with the council having to play such a big role in in these schemes that actually the council get the support they need as well in order in order to do that and it needs to kind of be a chain i think and all work smoothly um but no absolutely um i suppose it's kind of moving on from that um pavan in terms of potential developments with the schemes what do you kind of foresee with them so what we do know is that the Homes for Ukraine scheme is going to be widened up so that organisations, um, businesses and charities can act as sponsors. Um, another thing we don't know is what shape that will take. Um, will they need to provide accommodation? Will it be jobs? Will it be both? Um, goodness knows what, what that will entail. Um, and I think that the information about that won't be released until everything kind of settles down and they find a rhythm with the existing schemes. Um but there has been a lot of interest from businesses eager to help, but they're not really sure yet how they can help. Unfortunately, it's still um, it's going to have to sit tight until that information comes out. Um, there have been um, a lot of suggestions, not suggestions. Um, there's been, a, again, more pressure from various um, quarters for the Home Office to relax requirements. Um, to certain visa categories. So, for example, um, for Ukrainians applying on the skilled worker route, um, don't make them meet an English language requirement initially if they're overseas. Let them, if they have a sponsor and a job that meets all their requirements, let them come here, perhaps on a restricted visa, like a six month or whatever. Let them do an English test in the UK and then get the full validity visa. Um, just, just to speed things up for them and reduce the administrative load um, when they're outside of the UK. Um, and another suggestion has been that Ukraine is added to the list of countries where um, is, a visa is not required to enter the UK as a visitor. And that would obviously remove massive amounts of paperwork and um, really speed things up for all these people that are stuck um, overseas having applied to one of the schemes, um, but waiting for a decision. They could literally just jump on a plane and get here and then make an application. Um, but the government have been pretty firm in their view that um, that's not going to happen because they need um, background checks to be carried out on all applicants that come to the UK, um, which you, you can understand to a degree, but then also everybody that's fleeing, you've either got older people, children um, or women. Um, and that's not to say that, that 
these groups can't pose a threat, but in in all likelihood, is a 15-year-old going to be a threat to national security? Unlikely. Um, so, um, yeah, I think the benefits to, to opening that up probably would outweigh the risks in the circumstances. Um, but so far, there's no... Um, there's no sign of them them shifting on that. Um, I think that's pretty much it at the at the moment. Um, they just need to kind of get a grip on what's out there and get things moving. I guess. Yeah, I guess some of the pressure coming on the government as well, you know, kind of relates back to Brexit, doesn't it? In terms of you know, kind of these these changes, we're taking back control of our borders. We can act quickly, yes. swiftly, be flexible. Um, you know, kind of that's now been tested, I guess, um, in terms of the questions, the pressure that's been applied to the government. So, well, thank you, Pavan. That's been really, really interesting. Thank you for your time. Thank um, you for having me. I suspect this may not be the last we hear from you. <laughs> um, this may well be a topic which, which keeps developing. Um, and, and obviously, what, what I would say to our listeners is, is as ever, if, if you have any questions, then you know, feel free to get in touch. Um, the best channel is is the usual one, shoespeakhr at shoesmiths.co.uk. Um, you know, but but we can very quickly put you in touch with Pavan and, and and members of her team to to deal with any of those queries that that you may have. Um, you know, from from both a personal, um, but equally from a business perspective as well. So you know, kind of do reach out if you've got any of those queries. And, and like I say, thanks again, Pavan. Thanks, Amy. 